Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis.com podcast listeners, this is another amazing episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nina Pantic. I'll be joined in this episode by Irina Falcone, as well as our special guest, Evan King. Evan is a 28-year-old Chicago native who is currently ranked outside of the top 400 in singles and just outside of the top 100 in doubles. His current situation has led him to a crossroads on deciding whether or not to pursue doubles only and leave his singles career behind after being ranked inside the top 200 a couple years ago. He tells us what the 2020 season has been like for him and why he's not planning any events in Europe or even the challengers in the U.S. as he battles with what he calls an identity crisis. We caught up with him while he's in Austin where he moved to an Airbnb for a little change of scenery. It really makes sense as we get to learn that this is a guy who embraces the nomad lifestyle and enjoys seeing new places from Mexico to Uzbekistan to China to everywhere in between. So without further ado, here is our chat with Evan King. All right, Evan King, welcome to the show. It is awesome to catch up with you. How are you doing? No doubt. I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. So we want to ask you where in the world you are. For those not watching, you have a very interesting setup in your room. And where in the world are you? So I'm currently in Airbnb in Austin, Texas. Um, got here at the beginning of the month. And yeah, as you can see, I'm under a bed. I'm on the bottom part of a bunk bed right now that only has a top. And I'm here with two other guys. I'm here with Mike Redlicky and one of my buddies from Michigan. And I was the last person in the house. So I ended up with this room with the upper bunk bed. And I did not really want to sleep up there because honestly, if I had to pee in the middle of the night, I got to go down. I don't really feel like going down a ladder. If I get up, like my head might hit the top, even though I have all this to cushion it. So I just put the mattress on the floor. So it's kind of my setup for the next like month-ish. So it's cool though. So you pretty much just decided on Austin because... Yeah, it was, it was literally just like a new city that I haven't really explored and none of us had really explored. So I was playing a bunch of little exhibition matches at Saddlebrook. I was there with Mike Redlicky. And then that ended, and then we both had nothing to do. His lease ended. And then I was talking to one of my great friends from Michigan, and he lives in New York, and he's working remotely till next summer. And it was like the same kind of boat. So we were talking about like linking up somewhere, and it was perfect because I had Mike, I could still play tennis, and then I had my buddy with me, we could hang out. Um, so yeah, we landed in Austin. Like, honestly, my vote was West because I haven't spent a decent amount of time West, like in my life, I thought it'd have been pretty cool. And I know a decent amount of people out there, but I mean, everybody raves about Austin. This made a great first impression on me. It's pretty outdoor active city. It's been cool. Um, so yeah, we, we ended up in Austin and actually got kind of lucky because there's a money tournament next week here too. So I get to like, hopefully pay for the Airbnb that way. That'll be a vibe. You're getting to do stuff that you probably would not have imagined you were doing this year, but you're still training and practicing and competing. Yeah, it's it's such a weird balance because I was thinking about it before I went to Austin. I don't think I've spent 
that long of a time in the same time zone because I was either in Florida or West Virginia from March until yeah the end of September like since probably like young junior tennis so it's like very very slowed down I've gone through different phases of of things to keep my mind occupied keep my body occupied you go through like little waves of being motivated and not motivated but you still got to stay in shape and remember how to play the sport so no I think for the most part I've, I've gotten a pretty good balance but yeah it's just it's super weird have super. you picked up any like new hobbies and stuff like that you you do talk about you know being entertained off court and stuff like yeah. that so um i've started a couple books that i haven't finished um there's a kobe um biography not autobiography a biography on him that i started and another one and it's not a new hobby but like i'm really into rap battles it's like the most random thing so i will go on just sprees of just like watching rap battles and it really entertains me because they're just like either crazy disrespectful or they're just like crazy creative like how they just like mess with the english language and like pick it apart and stuff and i don't know it's kind of cool so i think that's what i'm currently into right now but honestly we have this conversation next week that might change so you don't actually participate in the battles you're just a spectator I'm literally just a spectator, just enjoying it, taking it in, reacting, be like, oh, that's crazy, running back, and then talking with a couple of buddies that are also into them as well. So we'll watch a battle at the same time and then be like, yo, that line was crazy. And then like go into that. And it was, uh, I don't know, that's that's currently what I'm into. What, you don't I gotta, rap? I got to work on my rapping skills. Okay. To okay. I thought maybe you also it. rap like Dennis Apovalov and Quarantine Mutet. No, no, no. No one can reach that level of... Uh, that level of swag, I don't have that in me. That's next level. <laughs> I've always wondered what other ATP players think of like people like Dennis and Corentin who are doing like actual. I think it's sweet. It's amazing. Like but... they're actually doing music. Yeah. Like, like it's like it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music. Like I see it on his Insta. Like he promotes it. Like he has an like I don't know. It's like you're asking me like what my hobbies are. Like he has this full hobby that like he's focused on and passionate about and honestly if he wants to keep doing it what he's like 19 or 20 like he wants to keep doing it he's only going to get better and like shoot that's awesome introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Hey listeners, this is an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with special guest ATP pro Evan King. He's sharing all about his current identity crisis. Keep listening for more. Yeah, honestly, yeah, you, everyone needs to expand on their goals, I guess, in this crazy year or even in general for them because they've been doing it for a while. But what what was your, your season like in terms of like the shutdown happening, how did you adjust and where did you go? Were you in Chicago, Florida? And, and how has that been for someone? Cause you're no, ranked a little lower been, than players we've talked to. Yeah. So, um, I haven't been to Chicago since Thanksgiving. I spent the first part of time in Orlando, um, practicing with Irina once. Um, so I started off there. So I ended my last term was in Monterey. And then I think I had a week off anyway. 
and then everything stops down. I go back to Orlando. You, at that point, you don't really know what's going on. Um, so like I was still training for a bit, going through it. I was so random. I was watching so much video of tennis, like not only myself, but just a whole bunch of just ex-players and stuff like that to try to just like figure out what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Because from a single standpoint, like two years ago, I think I was like 180, something like that for like a couple of years. And right now I'm sitting at like 400. So like, obviously I'm not doing something right. So I was trying to like pick apart like little things I saw from like that period of time that I incorporate into this period of time. And then I'm also doing better in doubles because I think, I don't even know what I am right now. I haven't checked rankings in forever. But I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I was 115. I'm sure some people passed me since I've been playing. But those are also two different schedules that I have to figure out because being 400 in singles probably doesn't get me into challengers. But if I care about my doubles ranking, then I have to play challengers and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of a, an identity crisis I still haven't figured out, to be honest with you. That's something I plan to figure out while I'm in Austin, just kind of taking some time off. Um, so, I mean, a lot of thinking, a lot of film watching, and then it's just like, okay, I'm kind of over tennis. Like, let me just like kick my feet up for a bit, go on runs, like do a whole bunch of different things. I tinker with my diet because I didn't really want to gain weight over the time. So I went vegetarian for that period of time. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird. I went through a lot of phases that I still haven't figured out. I was super lucky to like I signed up for real team tennis before like it became like superhuman level. So I was really lucky to be a part of that. And that I mean is a reason why I've made money this year. Because otherwise, like I wouldn't have played a tournament since March and I would have been just spending and spending and spending. So I got very lucky with that. And then since then I've just been playing random exhibition matches. So I don't know. I'm figuring it all out. Sounds proactive. Has it been frustrating, though, not having as many opportunities? There's been ATP events back, but there hasn't been that many ITF or any ITF events. And I think challengers are just slowly going to come back maybe in November. What? How's that been annoying? Obviously. I mean, honestly, if I wanted to play right now, I could. Like, there are tournaments in Europe right now. There are challengers in Europe. There are futures in Europe. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit inconvenient that there's nothing going on in the States right now. But if people really wanted to play, like you can, like honestly, going to Europe didn't excite me. I don't really like clay that much. Um, I still have to figure out if I'm doing singles, if I'm doing doubles, what I'm focusing on, because I can't do both, basically. Um, so that's something I have to really figure out before I like make a trip to go over. And yeah, I think, yeah, there's a futures in like two weeks here, then I think there's supposed to be two challengers coming up for us. I'm not sure about the women's schedule, but um, I'm sure it's similar. There's not. It's slim pickings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. I mean, there's been a few players and few people that have asked me like, are you going to go play this year? And I'm like, I could. Do I want to? That's more of the question. Um, but we actually were talking, we had uh, Nicole Malikar on a podcast recently and we were talking about making that transition. She was a singles player, started off as a singles player and then just resorted to being a double specialist. Has that ever come up? Like, have you ever actually thought that maybe that is the route or would you rather just stick to singles and really try and make um, that happen? I think it's a battle. 
Because, I mean, to be honest, growing up, no one has a dream like, I want to be the best doubles player in the world. Like, maybe the Bryans have a goal, like, together, like, they want to do something. But I feel like the people that ended up playing in doubles, like, you kind of fall into it. And you, like, accept the fact that you're better at this skill or you have the ability to, to do that. So I've definitely thought about it. Um, during real team tennis, I was on the team with Rajiv Ram and he was amazing. Just letting me pick his head because I was there as a doubles guy. Cause we had Brandon Nakashima on the team and that man's the truth. So like, I was like supposed to be the doubles guy. And then like, they got Rajiv Ram was like, you know what? I'm going to just bring some energy. I'm going to get hype. I'm going to let those guys do the things and vibe. But no, he was awesome in terms of like, like, I'm like, okay. Like if I'm like a challenger singles player, if like, cause I believe I can make it in doubles become like. ATP good at doubles. Um, like, when did you make your transition? What was it like? What's like your practice like? Like all this kind of stuff. Um, I've definitely given it thought, but I I have to figure out why I want to play. What my goals are? Or is it financial based? Is it opportunity based? Because the last, not this year, but the previous two years. I've gotten wild cards in U.S. Open and doubles based off of decent doubles results, and we won around last year. And then I played real team tennis for doubles, and that is making me money, so I can't sleep on that. But in singles, like I still believe that I have the ability to do so. But it's different training, it's different focus. If I'm playing both in the middle of the week, like let's say I lose on Monday, I'm still in doubles. I'm not really practicing singles as much as I should be. And then I go into the next week, I'm not doing well, I'm just a spiral. And so I've definitely given it some thought. And that's, I, I think you nailed it straight on the head about, um, so yeah, there are tournaments coming up, like, will you play? And it's like, you don't really play tournaments just because they're there. Like, you got to go into them being like, yo, like, I want to play, or like, I've been training this way and doing it into it. So I'm still trying to figure out myself, really, and see, like, what 2021 is if I'm a doubles player, if I'm a singles player, because I'm definitely going to be one or the other. So, yeah, maybe I'll be a doubles player. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. But I'm still trying to figure it out. But, no, it's definitely something that's crossed my mind just because I am a lot closer to making it in doubles than I am in singles. If it's any consolation, uh, I don't think a lot of people know what's happening with the world, with their lives, with, like, their careers on the WTA, ATP. I mean, it's all just very, like, up in the air. And, uh the sense of uncertainty can be very uncomfortable. Um, And I I know just like speaking for myself, um, speaking for people that like don't really know what to do. I mean, there's players that, like you said, 400 in the world, 500 in the world. Maybe they're just like, Hey, you know what? Maybe this is just not for me. And they realize maybe I just don't want to do this anymore. Totally. So, and that's another thing to think about. It's like, okay, what is my next step in life? Like, cause this is the only time, that I guess I've kind of had as a professional to really like relax, put my feet up and like reflect. But yeah, it's, it is, it's such an interesting time. And yeah, a lot of people go through it. It says, yeah, if you're 400 in the world and you're in a place that has travel restrictions, you literally don't have options to go. I think we're in a privileged position where like we can get in and out of the U S I feel like, like with exemptions from the tours and stuff. Like, like I said, if we wanted to go play somewhere, we could, but I don't know. It still sounds like you're. It still. It still sounds like you're very invested, though, in your tennis career and the doubles thing. Did that 
your affinity for doubles began at Michigan because you were an absolute baller at the University of Michigan and you played both, right? So is that where you yeah. built it or earlier or later? I think I've always enjoyed doubles. Like I've enjoyed doubles more probably because I take it lighter. I won't say less serious, but I take it lighter. Like I have more fun. I feel less pressure. More in general, I play with pretty much my best friends. To be honest with you, I don't play like random doubles very often. Like I'll play with like a select few people because I'll enjoy, I won't feel pressure. I can laugh, we can joke each other and I feel like the best tennis comes out. So I've definitely enjoyed it, but I've never actually trained for it. And that was the same thing at Michigan. Like the guys I was playing doubles with, I mean, you know, at Tech, like those are your girls, like those are your people, you have fun on the court out there. So at Michigan, that was awesome. Um, I used to think of doubles as bonus money, to be like honest with you. It was just like, okay, like I'm here for singles. If I do well in doubles, I've got a couple hundred dollars in play money, like, like to, I don't know, put away or just, I don't know if I want to make a trip later or something like that. That was my philosophy on it. And then like slowly ranking starts to become better. Like things are more serious. There's, I don't know, opportunities on the line with like bigger money, bigger points, bigger wild cards, bigger league stuff. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting, I guess, transition where like something that was fun. And that's honestly probably why I've done better in doubles than singles recently. Cause I put less pressure on myself and I just have fun. Um, has turned into something that has been lucrative for me in the last couple of years and then has given me some sweet opportunities. So, but now Michigan, Michigan was awesome for, for both reasons, for singles, doubles, the whole college tennis energy. I really fed off of that. That's like kind of my personality, like a feed off of just like a bunch of random stuff going on at the same time. And no, I mean, I think that's my next step after tennis. I'd love to be a college coach just cause I loved it. But um, yeah, in the meantime, I'm definitely invested in my tennis still. I could see that for you, though, like really good at managing other personalities, good team player. And it sounds like you do a lot of research in tennis, which we don't hear a lot about, like you said, watching film and asking Rajiv all those questions. That is like really cool to hear a player that studies. You've also mentioned Chicago a few times. So Chicago Smash, mm -hmm. Kamal Murray was your coach. You're from Chicago. Mm -hmm. How did you even get into tennis? Because Chicago is not really like or wasn't the most booming tennis city. No. Super, super random. So when I was bored, my, or born, when I was born, my dad was like obsessed with the sport. Like he played like recreationally. Now we got an older half bro and he was already like on the court, just like playing around. And it actually is like, it's the same club that, um, that cause Donald Young's from Chicago. So it's the same club that like Donald has dad were at. And then like little baby, tiny Taylor, um, Townsend, like back in the day. So like, there's like, like kind of watch like what Don and his dad were doing. Like me and my older bro was a couple years older. And then like, I'd be like the little kid that was just like running around the tennis center and stuff. So I kind of grew up around it. Cause my dad was just obsessed with it randomly. And then it's something that I kept getting like a little bit better at a little bit better at. I was playing tennis and I was playing basketball probably up until like 12. And then I started missing like basketball games for tournaments just cause like all the tournaments on the weekend. And then, yeah, it's something that I knew I was pretty good at, but I didn't take it like that serious until my junior year of high school. I moved to Florida to Boca Raton to USTA to like legit train. And then that's when I was like, okay, like I could do something. 
like with the sport, or at least I can attempt to do something with the sport. When so. you were in Boca Raton, um, I'm just curious, um, did you feel like you had to push yourself and kind of come up with the realization that, hey, I want to do this for me and nobody's pushing me? Um, no, because at that point I was, I, I, I guess so. Cause at that point, like I was very, very clear in why I went to Boca. So I was in Chicago. I won like the high school state champion thing. So, which means absolutely nothing in tennis, but that in Illinois, like you've kind of like reached the top and now sophomore year. So there's nothing else that's going to push me. And then the school I was going to, if I missed more than 20 days, I had to do summer school. So obviously I don't have the flexibility to play like a national schedule because I go play Easter Bowl, that's five weeks there. I miss a couple Mondays because I'm playing like a Midwest designated tournament. That's a couple there. Like you just like can't be sick. Like you just, whatever. So I knew I had goals in junior tennis. Like I wanted to play all the junior slams. Um, that was my main one. And I knew leaving and doing online school would give me the best opportunity to do so. Like, it was a difficult decision because, like, I mean, I'm a Chicago kid. I love Chicago. It's on my Instagram handle. Like, that's my, that's my stuff. Like, I love it. So it was tough leaving. But I knew why I did it. And I truly thought I was giving myself the best opportunity to. And there's been success stories out of there. There have been horror stories out of there. I was able to reach my junior goals and then head to Michigan. So it was cool with me. But yeah, there are definitely some tough periods of time because like you're working your ass off doing like triple the workload I was ever doing in Chicago. Then I could go to a tournament, I can lose first round. I'm like, why am I actually here? So like that'll definitely go through my mind. But at the end of the day, like I don't regret it. I would do that the same way. Did you ever consider leaving Michigan early to turn pro or was the plan always the four years? I never did because my parents are like, you are graduating, you are getting your degree only if you win NCAAs and win two rounds at the Open can you leave. And there's someone named Steve Johnson who was never going to let that ever happen to anybody else while I was in school. So my ass was going to be there for all four years <laughs> like for the entire time. Well, I'm sure they appreciated having you there, though. I mean, you, want them, you got them a lot of Ws. Yeah, no, I, I ended up with a ton of wins. I mean, my best friends, period, probably came from that experience um had had a lot of fun had some good teams had some bad teams like but yeah I mean I had a really successful career there got all-american a few times ended up with the most wins there that I think still is the case and yeah no it's it was an awesome place and honestly it's a place that I still feel like's home I graduated in 2013 that's seven years ago it's a place I can still walk into the building say what's up to everybody say what's up to the coaches and this new coaching staff but I've been there and I've come back as a volunteer actually for um, I think it was the 2014, 2015 season. I legit came back to be a volunteer and then one other fall I did too. So it's somewhere that's very comfortable with me. Like, I don't know how much you go back to Atlanta, but for me, like if I have an excuse to go to Ann Arbor, like I'll do it in a heartbeat. Did you that's go a volunteer awesome. because you were injured and taking time off or what was the reason? Initially. Well, good word. Initially, I quit. So I graduated in 13. I played till the end of 2014. And I wasn't doing very well. And I wasn't happy. And I felt like everything I made went directly back into my tennis. I had no chill time. I'm seeing the people I graduated with have like a normal-ish kind of life. And I just had a pretty crappy perspective on the fact that my job was to play tennis. 
So I also was doing a lot of things wrong. Like I'm, I don't do everything right now, but I was doing a lot of things very wrong just in terms of if you lose a tough match, maybe not stretch, not work out, have a crappy practice the next day, just like little things that kind of add up. Um, so I quit. And like I said before, I want to be a college coach. And then so I went to Michigan. They let me be a volunteer assistant. And I had zero plans of playing again, like absolutely none, just full-blown coach, like got a place over there paying rent, chilling, like, this is what I'm going to do. Teaching a decent amount, just so, I mean, I can make money. Um, then probably about March of that season, so I, I got there in December, probably in March, I kind of had, like, the itch. Like, I feel like, I don't know, there's there's more I could do. Um, and then I started, like, because I was always hitting, because, I mean, they enjoyed having someone that could hit, and I could play with the guys on the team. But I wanted to to start training a little bit more, both coaches, our head coach and our assistant coach who were awesome, um, allowed me to like start training a lot more. And I was bad. Like I was, I was not good. Like I remember we played Illinois one time and their volunteer assistant was actually hurt doing it. This guy, Dennis Nabolo, and we got like our own practice. And usually like me and Dennis were like there, this man beat me six, one, like in a set like that. And I was like, and he told me like years after the fact, he's like, yo, I thought you were done. Like you lost it. Because, like, the thing that makes me decent is, like, I'm, like, kind of athletic and I can, like, run and move and stuff. And, like, I lost that because I just – I wasn't working out. I was hitting. I was going out. I was, I don't know, being a normal human. So I did that. But then I came back with, like, a much better perspective in general. Like, the fact that my job is to travel around, chase a yellow ball. It's an excuse to see the road, which I've actually really bought into and, and traveled a ton since then. And then, like, I've had my, like, best results, like, after that, for sure. And I don't think I necessarily became a better tennis player. I just, like, had a better outlook, and I showed up each week. So, like, ready to do something. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, Tennis.com podcast listeners, you're listening to an episode with Evan King. He's telling us all about his nomad lifestyle on the ATP tour. Keep listening. It's funny because like hearing you speak, it almost sounds, uh, Nina, tell me if I'm like completely off and you can as well, Evan. It, it sounds very nomadic of you. Like just like, I'm going to stop and go to Ann Arbor and you're currently in Austin and you were in Orlando. And I'm just curious where the road's going to take you next. I don't know, because I literally don't know what I'm doing in December. So that's that's a very good question. Like, I, I'm a very in-the-moment kind of person, I guess, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think a lot of times it's bad, but a lot of times it's good. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I take things for what it is. I don't really overthink them, which, again, can be a very bad thing. Um, but, yeah, like, the year that I had my best results, I was a nomad. Like I went into that year, I think it was like 2017, being like, okay, this is gonna be a make or break year. I'm gonna play 40 tournaments. Because the way I saw it was that 
Like if I was in the real world, there are times where I don't want to go to work, but I got to suck it up and do it anyway. Like I can suck it up for two hours a day and like do something. And if I play 40 tournaments, 18 of them are going to be good. And like, I'm going to have like a decent ranking. And if they're not good, I'm done. So I end up doing that. And then I end up qualifying for us open and then doing like some other, like pretty good things that year. But like, it was an absurd schedule. Like, I think I started like playing tournaments in Australia. Then I went to Indonesia. Then I went back to Australia. And then I went on like a sweet Euro trip. It was like Bosnia, Spain, Spain, Netherlands. Like I was just like here, there, there, there. Just like, and it kind of made sense to me. But like when I like say this over again, it was it was just more of like a mind over matter kind of thing where it's like I'm gonna do this. I can suck it up, and if it works, it works. If not, I tried. So. Ended up working out for me that year, but it was, um, yeah, I, I am a nomad. You acquired a lot of miles and memories. And Yo, it's, not always, it's not always just about the tennis, right? Totally. No, I've, I've seen a whole bunch of countries that I probably didn't know existed had not be for, like, the sport. Um, like, was it last year? Like, yeah, last year, literally in order. I went Mexico, Korea, Italy, England, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Italy. Wow. With one, the one week off was England. And then everything else was back to back to back to back to back to whatever. So no, it's, and it's crazy different foods, different cultures, different people, different everything. And that's something that, I mean, if I wanted to see the world as a working adult, I'd have to take time off of work. I wouldn't get paid during that time. Then I got to pay for all the travel, pay for accommodation, pay for all that stuff. So honestly, it's an unbelievable excuse to see the world. Like, obviously, like I'm there to do a job. I'm there to play tennis. But I might as well see some things while I have kind of the freedom to do so. At least that's where my head's been at. I know a lot of players tend to go to all these places and not actually take time to see their surroundings. Do you actually take the time? Usually, yes. My biggest regret is I went to India and I didn't see anything in India. I was there for two weeks. And I think that was something where it's like, oh, I've been to India, but I didn't do anything. And that's forced me to be like, yes, I'm going to go to Uzbekistan. I'm going to have the native, like, meal in Uzbekistan, eat that, go see something like I can't swim. I'm scared of water. Go to like a river or something and like do that kind of stuff, like kind of get like out of your comfort zone kind of thing. And so I do, I actively try to. So like earlier this year, started the year in Bangkok and then, so yeah. And the tournament is like outside of Bangkok, but then like, we made like a conscious effort to like go in, go to some of the markets, go see different neighborhoods, just do things. So I actively try to like some weeks are easier than others. Some weeks are traveling with people that are more like adventurous than others, which makes it easier. Um, but no, I would like to think that I do, but um, I don't know. Some weeks I don't, I really wish I saw India more. Cause I was just, I was scared. Cause I've heard horror stories about people getting sick. Yeah, like like eating food outside of like the hotel, and like I really didn't want to. And it was the end of the year, and I didn't really feel like moving. So that's fair. You <laughs> hopefully you get a chance to go back. Is there someone that's like a perfect travel partner for you? Is it a coach or another another player who's been like your ideal traveling road buddy? 
That's an interesting one. I'd say like the two that I've spent the most time with are probably the two best would be Nathan Pasha and Hunter Reese. Um, I mean, Nate's been one of my best friends since like the USTA days. So since like age 15, so that's been cool. And we played a ton of doubles together and had fun on the court, off the court with that. So that's been a really good time. And then Hunter's more adventurous than Nate and will push me to do random things that are very out of my comfort zone because as humans we are complete opposites but for whatever reason like we get along great and it like works out so he'll be like yo like let's go on a hike to like do this do this do this and I'll be like you're crazy maybe I won't do that but I'll go to this restaurant for you I'll go to this like whatever for you so um I say those are my my most fun weeks and then every once in a while I'll have just like a buddy that just doesn't have to do a tennis just come through with me so like I had um, the guy who I'm actually with right now in Austin, like he, uh, he lives in New York and I played like qualifying of like Newport, the grass court tournament. So he like came up there for a weekend and just like vibe out. And yeah, like I'm sure as you know, like sometimes it's good, good to get away from just like tennis humans and talk tennis all the time. And, Absolutely. Oh, or when, what do you do? How'd you do last week? How are the balls? What's Where the are you staying? When yeah, do you arrive? Exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah. And then with the classic like tennis player handshake like that. So sometimes it's good to have like your, your crew with you that you can, um, I don't know, kind of just get away and be a little bit different about. So guys, this has been cool. I feel like you've made tennis sound like the ultimate, like traveling world experience, almost like backpacking. And I, um, Um, I like the perspective you've given. I mean, obviously it's hard and there's terrible mm -hmm. times and losing and not making enough money, Mm -hmm. obviously, but you've made it sound so chill. Yeah. So, I mean, there are positives and there's downfalls to that exact thing as well, because like I am, I guess maybe like an optimistic ish person. Like I see the positives in what I do and like, I legitimately enjoy what I do. There's also a reason why I'm like 400 in the road and not 200 or 150. You know what I mean? So yeah, it takes a little bit more. I don't even know what the word is, but like it, it is a balance for me. Like being like, oh, okay, I could lose first round in this random city in China, but then I'll be like, okay, shit, I lost. But then I'm like, oh, but I'm in this random city in China. This is kind of awesome. So right. I feel like a lot of people like are built more like, yo, like I can't stand this loss. Like, uh, like, and it's going to eat them until the next time. And that could get them like a win later. So I think like, yes, it is a dope experience. And I would tell everybody like tennis is an awesome excuse to change or travel the world but then like yeah there's a lot of issues with that philosophy as well i feel like so oh, yeah very much so <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a balance it's fine i've i've certainly enjoyed this though. i've enjoyed catching up with you and getting a sense of what you've been up to and, and knowing that there's more in store for evan king in 2021 we just don't know what exactly oh, yeah. exactly stay tuned to whatever random country i'm in we look forward to just you. I, I honestly, I've always wanted to do that. Just kind of spin the globe and just be like, all right, here we go. This is where I'm going. Uh, nice. And it sounds like kind of what you're doing. Yeah, but I, oh. I make it I make it make some sort of tennis sense. So like I haven't explored South America that much because I don't want to play South Americans on clay. Like I've only been Nobody to does. in Brazil. Yeah, exactly. Nobody and does. And I, I think that's a horrible life decision in general. And I would love to travel South America because I think that's literally the one continent that I haven't spent that much time on. 
So I think that would be sweet. So yes, I spin the globe, but I spin like the outdoor hardcore globe. <laughs> <laughs> I will say if you do go to South America and play some South Americans or go to Spain and play some Spanish men, you would get better. True. I'm so, also 28 years old and I'm not in like the whole like player development stage of my life. I want that. That's I fair. guess that's kind of closed-minded, but like if I go somewhere like I want to get points, I don't really want to like grow. Yeah, that no. <laughs> that's fair. When I say that out loud, I feel like that sounds horrible. That sounds pretty horrible, but that's we're not judging. Bad, no? I think that sounds legit. That sounds honest and exactly what like that makes perfect sense to me. That's what it is. Like, oh, this was a great learning experience. I just spent three grand and lost three first rounds on the slowest red clay courts in Argentina. <laughs> like, I learned a whole lot and it's going to make me better. So. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I do I do agree with you and that's probably something I need to fix about myself in general and like have more of that mindset but yeah like I'm gonna go play in Spain on a hard court rather than go play Spain outdoor slow play someone with two last names that's gonna make me cry in the first set so yeah I, I the, hear you on that on that note all right Evan, note. Evan thank you for your time this has been a blast oh. I've really enjoyed it no, appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully you guys got some decent content. <laughs> Thanks so much and stay safe and travel safe. And you should you just, well. like get your own like Insta handle for traveling Evan. Like yeah. it'd be fun. I'll follow yeah, that. For the bunk. I, yeah, exactly. That's, that's your Insta handle right there. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Good luck, guys. man. Appreciate it. Thanks. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, Editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva. Producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley. And executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.